So I, um, in the worldview class I teach to high school juniors and seniors on every Monday, I, um, I have a, a question I ask them every year um, when I'm teaching a particular subject in the class. Um, I ask them, if you wanted to learn about me without actually meeting me, what would you do? If you wanted to know how I think, how I do what I do, without meeting me, how would you do that? And we bounce around all sorts of ideas. And um, one of the things we come up with is we would go to the places where you live and work. We'd go to your house, look around your house, uh, look in your closet, see how messy or how neat you are. Um, Go to your office, look at your desk, go through the drawers on your desk, I guess, I don't know. Um, Maybe look at my calendar, see how I spend my time. If I were an artist, maybe you would look at the art I make, uh, look at the work I do. Um, And that would be a a way for you to get to know about me, is kind of look at the environment where I spend my life. Um, But then maybe the next step would be to to talk to people who know me. Um, And people who know me could tell you about me. Um, so that would, that would be the beginning ways um, to learn how I think and what I do without actually meeting me. Um, but then wouldn't it be something if I had written an autobiography? And then you could read it and know tons about me from my own pen. But then, of course, the best way would be to have a meal with me and I would tell you about myself and um, hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Um, Maybe go with me, do things with me, spend time together. Um, Because the way you know someone, the way you have a relationship with someone is when they reveal themselves to you. That's how you have a relationship. Someone opens up and speaks to you and reveals themselves. Now, Let's think about that one step further. What if the person you're revealing yourself to is significantly different from you? Um, What if they're much, much, much younger or much, much, much older? What if they come from an entirely different culture where they have not just different language but different ways of doing everything? Or what if the person is is not only much younger and from a different culture, their education is different, their language? Just imagine someone who's very, very different from you and you're trying to reveal yourself to them then it becomes more difficult to get the point across about yourself, right? You have to be much, much more clear uh, to make yourself known. Now, let's take it even one step further. What if the person you're revealing yourself to is someone you do not naturally get along with? Oh, okay, well, that's an entirely different thing, is it? See, when we think about this on a human level, it begins to make sense of why we must have God's revelation to us. That's why we say that Christianity is a revealed religion, that God has revealed himself um, in many ways, but in his word, in his small w, capital W, if you will, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, when you start thinking about the difference between us and God, the difference between us and God is far, far, far more than any two human beings, Right? He is perfect in all his ways. He is eternal. He is unchanging. Um, He he is all-knowing. We are none of those things, right? 
So we, we started Isaiah 55 at the beginning of this month, working our way for four weeks through Isaiah 55, and we started with the idea of, of a, a relationship that is personal. God is coming to these, his people who are like the Babylon train is coming down the track and it is about to squish them, run right over them. And uh, it's going to be bad, but he's also still giving them an offer to get very personal with him. And he says things like, come everyone who's thirsty, come, come and be, sat- let me satisfy your soul. Let the, come, give ear to me and listen so that you may live. If you're wicked, forsake your ways. And if you're unrighteous, turn from your thoughts and, and I'll have mercy on you and I will pardon you. So it's very, very personal, experiential relationship we're talking about. How is that going to happen unless God reveals himself? But then what happens when we realize that we're very, 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 very different from him? And that's where the chapter takes us today. If you look in verses 8, 9, and 10, and 11, you will, you will notice a setup. Verse 8 starts with the word, which means it's connected to something before. There's a reason why I just told you to seek me and find me and call on me and turn from your wicked ways. Four, and then verse nine and verse 10 both start with the word as. Do you remember English class? The difference between a metaphor and a simile, right? Like and as is a simile. Yeah, you tried to forget that, didn't you? You didn't want to remember those days. But yeah, he's, 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 he's going to say, for this is how I am. And let me give you a couple of pictures of what that is. Verse 8, the four. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts, my intentions, my plans, my designs, my purposes. Um, really, um, the, the word thoughts has, has an element of planning in it, as we will see next week with this another phenomenal promise. Judgment and captivity are coming, but you're going to be a light to the nations, and I've made this promise to David. I'm keeping it with you. My plan, I don't plan the way you plan. I don't think the way you think. My intentions aren't the way you intend things. We do not naturally think God's thoughts. We don't plan like he plans. We can't see what he sees. We don't know what he knows. And he says, my ways aren't your ways. What God does and how he does it, his ways are not like our ways. As a matter of fact, he just told two chapters before, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone his own way. So our ways are to be like meandering, wandering sheep who are out there, sheep's sheep. Sorry, I'm here talking about grammar. I said sheeps. Sheeps uh, going our own way, wandering off, doing our own thing. Isaiah 55, 8, in a different translation, puts it so clear. Indeed, my plans are not like your plans. My deeds are not like your deeds. The way he does things, how he thinks about what he does, is so far different than the way we think and plan. Now, we know that, right? We know that, right? Right, thank you very much. So I'm off today. I'm really off because this side usually has so many more people than this side, and I don't know what to do with myself. Um, okay, sorry. Yes, you're with me, though. You're with me. We know that we don't think and plan and do the way God does. 
But he's going to give us a couple of pictures to encourage us and to draw us in. And the first picture is in verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, As the heavens are higher than the earth. So we're talking about God's thoughts and ways are just like in a different sort of of stratosphere. Um, and, and when you think of the heavens in Scripture, there's like the heavens, there's the, the sky where the birds fly around and the clouds are, and in our day, the planes are flying. Um, we look up and we say, that's the heavens, that's the sky. Um, but we don't, we, don't, we don't say, look how far that bird is or how far that plane is. We say, look how high that is. Um, but it's when we get to the second layer of the heavens and we start talking about the moon and the stars and the planets and the sun, we say... That is really, really far, and we use terms like light years, and we have telescopes that blow our minds as they look out into the heavens, right? It's just incomprehensibly far to think about, like, how far away the stars are when you look out at night, and what it would have been like for Isaiah in in his day with no light pollution to just look up at the sky and see that and say, God's ways are higher than mine to that degree. Um. When, when Karis was about two, I guess, she had this um, Eric Carl book. We all know Eric Carl, right? Eric Carl had this, it was a fold-out book. So you open the pages and they, they folded out and popped up and all this. Um, and it was called, Papa, Would You Get the Moon for Me? And um, it was about a little girl. She would, her dad would carry her outside and they would look at the moon. The moon would get smaller, smaller, smaller. And then it would be gone. She would, the moon would go, and it was a full moon the next day. And so she asked him, would you get the moon for me? And so... Dad goes and gets this ladder, and you have to open the book all the way out, and it's, it's this long ladder that goes out. And Dad gets on the ladder, and he goes up, and he grabs the moon when it's really little, and he, he carries it down and gives it to his daughter. And she plays with it, but every night it gets smaller and smaller, and one night her moon is gone, and the next night it's up in the air. Um, did anybody read that to their kids, Papa, get the moon for me? Well, you just need to go buy it and start reading that um, to yourself. Um, we read that book every night without fail. Like, there's no going to sleep unless dad reads the book about the moon and the ladder. Um, And then one night we were leaving church. It was a Sunday night and the skies were clear and it was a full moon and I was holding Karis and she looked up and she saw it for the first time. Oh my goodness. That's the real thing. That's the moon. And no matter how I turned, she would just crane her neck. She was absolutely in awe that the real thing was right there. And I don't know how a two-year-old brain processes that, but whenever we were in the car and she was in her car seat, she had to know where the moon was. Like, where's the moon? Where's the moon? It's up there somewhere. She was just enthralled by the moon. But I kind of wonder, she couldn't communicate that all to me. She was only two. And what if I tried to explain it to her? Yes, Karis, did you know that that thing up there in the sky is this many miles away and it actually controls our tides and blah, 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 blah. She would have said, wow, Dad, that's really neat. No, she wouldn't have said that. She wouldn't have understood that word I said. And I don't even know much about the moon. I know, but I know more than a two-year-old. What if an astrophysicist had showed up and started explaining both of us, this is how the moon actually works and this is how gravity and this is how it stays right there, circling no closer, no further. And we just like hurtle through the universe at a thousand miles an hour. That thing's like circling around. It's like a tilt a whirl, right? And it's just amazing. And I wouldn't understand the astrophysicist and she doesn't understand me, right? There's this gap here happening with this thing up in the sky. 
And God says, you're the two-year-old, and I'm smarter than any astrophysicist you ever met. <laughs> That's how high my thoughts are from your thoughts. <laughs> Do you feel more encouraged now? Does it make more sense now, right? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? This just made it worse, right? No, we didn't. It made us just want to worship. It wanted to make, to make us go, wow, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Maybe I don't plan as well as I thought I did. So that when he says, um, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts, he's showing you just how wicked those ways are and how unrighteous their thoughts are. They don't even compare to the loftiness and the holiness of his thoughts. But then he brings it down. Okay, well, how is this going to work when it comes time to, for him to reveal himself? And he says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower, bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So he gives us a common a picture of rain and snow. Rain and snow are not wasted. Rain and snow don't, like, hit the ground and bounce and go back up to the sky, right? They rain and the snow, the snow melts, they soak into the earth, and when they get just under the surface or maybe a little deeper, they find a seed there waiting for them. And that seed gets wet, and that seed sends out a little root, and the seed pops up out of the ground. And in Isaiah's world... That could happen overnight. Like if you had your long dry season and your world was brown and deserty, wildernessy looking, it could rain and the next day you went out and everything was green. Right? If you lived in a grain culture, you knew this because you lived off the land. God sends water and the water isn't wasted because the person who needs seeds to sow, he's going to get seed because of the water. The person who needs bread to eat gets it because the seed crew came up, got wheat, and he made bread out of that. It doesn't just come from H-E-B. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It comes out of the ground because God designed rain and snow. It's a picture of growth, Right? But it's a picture of the word of God. He told this through Moses. Deuteronomy 32. Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear you, earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew. Like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. In the same way, the promise that I make does not return to me having accomplished Nothing, that's, that's, that's the word. It doesn't come back empty-handed. It doesn't come back vain or without cause. It is realized as I desire and is fulfilled as I intended. So God makes a promise, God speaks his word, and something happens. God's word does God's work. When God said, let there be, it was followed by, and there was. <laughs> God didn't have to say, let there be light. Hey, anybody out there listening? I said, let there be light. Come on now, let there be light. No, he just, let there be light, and there was light, right? So God's 
thoughts that are higher than the heavens come together with a speaking God who has spoken to us and we can know his thoughts and his plans. And he says, and when I make a plan and when I speak it through my prophets, it's like rain hitting a seed. Something's going to happen. So we must have revelation. We must have truth about God revealed to us. How else are a bunch of time-bound people like us going to know about truth in eternity? And so then he sends his son, and what is he called? In the beginning was the word. He was the word. And Jesus spoke to disease, and Jesus spoke to demons, and Jesus even spoke to death. And when he spoke, stuff happened. And his word didn't come back empty-handed. He didn't say to the leopard, be cleansed, and his word didn't come back and say, sorry, that didn't work. Right? When he's told the lame man to get up and walk, his word caused the person to walk. It didn't come back and say, maybe you should try abracadabra or alakazam. Maybe you need to wave your hands funny. Maybe you need a little magic wand. No, none of that. And we just finished Revelation. What was the word of Jesus in Revelation? He comes on this horse, and there's this king, and it says he's got a flaming sword coming out of his mouth, and there's like an army of millions waiting to try to defeat him, and he just shows up and speaks, and they're all scattered and killed, and it's... He makes war with the sword of his word. So what are we going to do to know this God who is higher than us, to, to have a personal relationship. He's going to speak. He's going to give us promises. And it's not just word that's interesting. It's not just word to be known. It's word that gets in us, like rain falling on the ground and meeting a seed and growing stuff. So that when Jesus comes, he says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Heaven and earth can pass away, but my words will not pass away. My words are more permanent than that moon in the sky. And my word does my work. The word of the Lord is alive an active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12. So God's word does God's work from an incomprehensibly holy and great God coming to wicked people who need to forsake their ways and unrighteous people who need to forsake their thoughts. And this is possible. This isn't just like, wow, that sounds unreal. I wish that worked. It's, it's, it's not. So he gives thoughts like uh, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, imagine, <laughs> imagine if every thought you ever thunk was perfectly true and perfectly noble and perfectly right, perfectly pure? What if every thought was lovely beyond belief? What if every thought were admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? Like, that's, that's almost frightening to think that someone's thoughts can always be that way because, frankly, 
we would all scare each other half to death if we had to sit here and watch a video of what other people are thinking all day. We wouldn't want to be friends with each other, would we, right? If you saw what we were thinking all day long. And yet God has these perfectly honorable, admirable thoughts. How is that going to work for us? He's going to give us what is true, lovely. He's going to give us his thoughts in his word. And it's going to come to us like rain. And can I tell you, I want you to be encouraged by this, okay? I don't want this to leave you like, uh. You know what else is higher than, than from heavens to earth? You know what else? Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. My thoughts are higher than heaven and earth. So unlike yours. But let me tell you something. My love for you is equally great. There's hope. (laughs) There's hope. The Lord who thinks this way, the Lord who promises and plans, the Lord who does this way, loves us with an incomprehensible, pure, holy, admirable, lovely love. And so that doesn't leave us with him up there and him, us down here, that has him sending the word to walk among us. As for God, his way is perfect, Psalm 18. His way is perfect, and the Lord's word is flawless. How are we going to deal with a, a, a God whose way is perfect and whose word is flawless? My words aren't flawless. Your words aren't flawless. My doing isn't perfect. Your doing isn't perfect. He shields all who take refuge in him. Who is a God besides the Lord? Who is the rock except our God? So, you come back to the beginning. Are you thirsty? He's not so far awake that, away that you can't get a drink. You're hungry? He comes and says, I'm the bread of life. I'm water. Come to me. Yeah, you don't, we don't think alike. We don't do alike. But I've come on your level, and here's who I am. How, give ear to me. Come to me and listen. That I'm a, Yeah, yeah, listen. Listen, he's not so far away that you can't hear. He's spoken. He's spoken. Next week we finish this with an incredible promise, and because it's a promise, it won't come back empty-handed, and it's an amazing promise, but I just want you to know it's full of promises, full of the thoughts and ways of God. And so I wonder if with Bible as our middle name and with Bibles in all of our homes, I wonder if instead of just being, okay, this is words of God I know, but what if we said, this is rain and snow. And I just, I need him to water my soul with this so that there can be growth, so that there can be green on the dry, parched land of my heart, my soul. So that the seeds that have been planted here might begin to grow and blossom. And especially for those of us who want to go out and scatter seed, like we want to tell people about this. He said, yeah, 
that's what this word is. It's, it's, it's seed for the sower. And for those who are hungry, guess what? It's bread for the eater. So how are we going to know God unless he reveals himself to us? Guess what? He's revealed himself to us in word and person word. So let's pray for one another right now. Let's take a moment and pray for the people around us that his word would be that to us. Will you join me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Jesus, word of God, capital, capital letters, word of God. Thank you for walking around in a body and eating meals and making friends. As high as the heavens are above the earth, your thoughts and ways are, and so heaven came to earth. And Jesus, we can say we know you and you know us. Lord, I pray. Um, Jesus, you said, yeah, you're servants, but I'm not calling you servants. I'm calling you friends because the servant doesn't really know what his master is doing, but a friend tells a friend what he's doing. And I pray, God, that, that we would know that you're telling us what you're doing because you, you speak to us. And Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters all across this room. And I know that, that sometimes um, we try to grab some time with our Bibles open and, and sometimes it just feels like it's just bouncing off our eyeballs and landing back on the page. Or maybe it's not accomplishing anything in, in our hearts, and our minds. Lord, I pray that we would, we would come to your word, not so that we can get finished reading your word, but so that our souls can be watered, and so that our minds can be renewed, and so that our lives can be changed like a parched piece of ground is changed when the water lands on it and the seed grows. Lord, may we be transformed by your word to a growing, flourishing people. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself. You are a great and awesome God, and we are a grateful people. May this be ever so real to us, we ask in the name of the word the Lagos, Jesus Christ. Amen.